A new world needs new heroes, new villains, and especially new legends. everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of the Lost Legends of Scadrial Mistborn Adventure Game Podcast. I'm Trevor, the host and narrator of this adventure. You can find me on the 17th Shard forums in all of my Brandon Sanderson fandom glory. That's Fifth of Daybreak. And with me, we have the rest of the Lost Legends who will introduce themselves now. So, um, my name's John. Um, I go by Clovermite on the 17th Shard forums. And I am playing Tony Darkomancy of the new Ellendell Darkomancies. My name is Brian, and I go by name of Tajmel. I am David, and I am playing Lord Falcone of the Falcones. Well respected. My name's Kelly. I'm playing Merida. So those are our Lost Legends. We'll hopefully see a lot more of them, which means that hopefully I won't be too harsh and kill them off. But a little information before we get started. If you haven't read Brandon Sanderson's Mistborn Trilogy or Mistborn Secret History, I highly suggest that you stop now and take a chance to read these fantastic stories because there will be spoilers involved. Probably not in this first episode. However, our setting is going to take place about 20 years after the events of the final book in the Mistborn Trilogy, so eventually you're going to get some information that will ruin the events of that story for you. So if that's at all something that you're interested in, which you should be, I would suggest reading that before you go any further. So, without any further ado, we will go ahead and get started. It's been 20 years since the events of the Katasandra. Ash no longer falls from the sky. The survivors climbed from the depths of their metal prisons into the field of rebirth, into a new life and a strange new land of green and flowers and color something that none of them had ever experienced before, except for a select few who had seen a small picture that played an outsized role in the events of Mistborn. And yet, as much as things changed, things stay the same. While the Ska and the Noblemen are no longer physiologically different, there still is self-segregation among the citizens of New Elendel as they struggle to build a new city for themselves and build a space for themselves in this new world. The noblemen's keeps have been building up slowly over the past 20 years. They reach for the skies just as they used to. The ska slums have been built just the same, and all of life seems to be returning to to normal. And yet, just as before, there seems to be one void that needs to be filled. That of the crime underbelly of this new world. Let's check in on Tajmil. I go into a room and I see uh, the tapestry and drapes are pulled shut and I think this is my chance. I'm going to steal what great secrets this room beholds in it. And I rush to the painting and I begin to cut the the painting to to bits just to show my my angst towards the, the person's house who I was stealing from. And I find a secret safe behind it. And I pry open the safe, and it's filled with countless 
jewels and gold and stuff, chock full of chock full of gold. And um, then I throw a coin down and I jump on it and zip out of the room, lickety split. Moving on, we'll figure out what Merida's been up to. A short brunette stands in front of a brightly lit ballroom, wearing a beautiful gown. That's me. I was hired to discover some dirt on the bell of the ball, so to say. I walk gracefully up the stairs. Of course I wouldn't stumble at all. No mastifying would. <laughs> anyway, after an hour of mingling, I am able to sneak into the bell's group. Few compliments and inconspicuous questions later. I have all I need. One glass of wine down our shirt later, and I'm kicked out of the place. <laughs> Nothing like a good escape to finish the job. So with that, a spy joins our group. Now we shall move on to another poor member of our noble houses, Lord Falcombe. Lord Falcombe walks through the slums of New Ellendale. He is a tall, stocky man with blondish hair speckled with gray. As he walks, his attention is directed above him, where in the nicer part of the city, the new noble houses were being constructed. He was glaring enviously. He should be there instead of among the commoners. But he was a lord in name only, having lost his land and his household. What he did have was a resolve to regain what he had once had, and more. He had a resolve to do so through any means necessary. And with that, we will check in on Tony Darkomancy and just see what he's been up to before our adventure begins. Well, Tony's not so much the crime underbelly. He's uh, right and proper. So I prepared a little scene here. Backstage, Tony downed his second vial of zinc. Curiosity. Tony sent a wave of emotion out to the bustling streets surrounding him. Simultaneously, the musicians began playing Tony's favorite song, The Final Ashfall. Outside, he could hear the crowds begin to quiet, obviously drawn to the music and the giant contraption sitting in the middle of the plaza. The drums kicked in. By now, the stagehands would be engaging the limelight mechanism. Tony had ensured that they rigged it so that it could flash the words he desired in a given sequence. Right now, it would be brightly proclaiming amazing to the masses. Tony adjusted the bow tie of his tuxedo and checked his top hat in the mirror. He knew his cue was only moments away. As if on command, he heard his announcer calling out on stage, Ladies and gentlemen, we present to you an astounding display of mind-boggling amazement. The one, the only, Tony Darkomancy of the new Allendale Darkomancies. Tony burst onto the stage, a devilish smile plastered across his face. The music crescendoed, and the limelight display above him rearranged to form one word. Magical. Tony sent out another wave of Allomancy. Wonder. He gazed upon their transfixed faces and noted many more passerbys joining the growing audience. Citizens of New Ellendale, Tony called out to the people as he rioted their sense of suspense. I give you magic. Tony thrust out his arms in a triumphant V pose. A deck of cards tumbled sloppily out of his sleeves and flopped unceremoniously onto the floor, some of them even getting caught in his sleeves. Rust and ruin, Tony thought. I thought I'd mastered that one by now. Oh, well. Without shame, Tony rioted excitement in the crowd, overwhelming any sense of disgust or disbelief. Everyone wants to feel good. You just have to help them along sometimes. 
For my first trick, I will pull a mist rabbit out of my hat. Tony removed his top hat and demonstrated to the crowd that it was empty. He then set the hat on a table and pulled out a magic wand. And now, for the magic words, Tony began waving the wand mysteriously over the hat. Abracadabra! Before he could finish, the bottom of the table fell off and a slimy pile of gelatinous tissue tumbled out. It was a mist wraith, and it was hideous. It had four clawed legs jutting out of the side of its body, giving it an almost spidery-like silhouette. Out the back, a skeletal human hand formed what one might consider a tail. And at the front, a series of three rabbit skulls piled on top of each other like a tower. This essentially formed the bat, both the neck and head of the creature. To make matters worse, Tony had tied a rabbit pelt around the beast in a vain attempt to make it more cute. Unfortunately, it had the opposite effect as most of the skin flopped loosely around the translucent pile of muscle and bones. On instinct, Tony began rioting everyone's sense of affection. He never understood why people didn't like fluffles. But suddenly remembering he was on stage, he switched back to rioting amazement instead. Except something was wrong. His reservoir of zinc fizzled out. Impossible! That should have lasted an entire hour! Tony suddenly felt an overwhelming sense of anger and betrayal welling up in the pit of his stomach. Too intense. There are other allomancers here. Tony looked up to scan the crowd and caught sight of a series of wagons bearing his family's crest. They rolled unceremoniously towards the crowd, carrying rotten vegetables and a sign depicting prices for each. Mother. She never intended to support my act. She just wanted to find a way to profit off expired goods. At that moment, a moldy eggplant collided with Tony's face. He fell to the ground in a daze and felt a torrent of putrid vegetables pelt against his back. He made no effort to move. They would simply chase him down. Oblivious to the carnage, Fluffles absently crawled over to Tony and began nibbling on the expired produce. Tony himself absentmindedly began petting the creature until he noticed something odd in the wreckage. There was a card embedded in one of the tomatoes that had landed near his face. He fished it out of the mess and carefully guarded it against projectiles as he read, You ought to be an adventurer. I can make it happen. Come to this address at sundown. Tony smiled, his sense of anger fading completely. He would show his family. Jim isn't the only one who can become famous. And so that's Tony. How interesting. We have a magician in the mix. So now we have all four members of the Lost Legends. A down-and-out nobleman, a magician, a spy, and a thief. After delivering a mysterious note to Tony Darkomancy, a sharp-nosed man with white hair visits the other three members, giving them the same information that Tony received. A specific address with a dire warning to make sure they arrive on time if they wanted to make sure that they were going to be a part of this new adventure. And so, keeping in mind that they didn't want to miss out on something as big as a new crime ring forming, each with their own ideas of what they wanted to get out of this new relationship, each of them showed up to a nondescript building at the same time. None of them knew each other before this, and yet, 
they shrug and knock on the door. Does anybody want to describe what they see or saw on the way over? Say, bushes of unimaginable beauty and a trail that was that was very friendly and led them along to their new awaiting adventure. All right, you guys knock on the door. I slowly walk after them, being careful of every hiding spot. And as it opens, you see a terraceman in traditional terrace garb, along with all of the requisite jewelry. Ah, perfect timing. I am tradition. I will be your liaison with Alloy for the time being. If you will follow me, please. Without any further pomp or circumstance, he turns on his heel and walks into his, the building, obviously expecting you to follow. What do you do? I would stride in confidently with my shoulders high. I don't know about you guys, but... Yeah, same same thing. I just walk through the front door and keep my eye on on anybody and everybody in the room. And uh, I I lock eyes with whoever the person who didn't go in last with me. Say, well, it looks like it's time to follow tradition. <laughs> As you walk into the room, the door closes behind you, and you see a guard at the door. He seems especially alert. Tinai, perhaps. Either way, it doesn't matter. You are escorted into a room to find it surprisingly empty except for a few guards surrounding an innocuous table set against a wall. As you approach the tall man, tradition nods to them. They pull the table aside and open a secret trap door in the floor, escorting you through. The small basement is poorly lit, and there are small barriers erected to break sight lines. You're escorted through the ersat maze to a small room with a table with four chairs. There's four walls and a window facing a stage. After a moment, a man steps onto the stage, steeped in a hooded cloak. Strangely enough, his cloak seemed to be made out of a traditional mist cloak, and yet the tassels are all stitched together. The effect is alien, yet rather intimidating. His face is completely obscured, but his voice booms out, filling the room. Good evening. I am Alloy. Let's not mince words. You've all wondered what job it is that has brought you here tonight. Well, I hate to disappoint you, but we won't be discussing that yet. First, I need to know which one of the crews assembled here are the most accomplished and able to complete this task. So I will be brief tonight. Whichever crew can present me with a bead of atium will be eligible to continue on as part of my operation. It does not matter to me how you obtain the atium, as long as you have it with you here at the next appointed meeting date. Provided, of course, your activities do not endanger the sanctity of my operations. He glanced significantly to the side, and the sound of laughter echoed through the small space, despite the walls. You will be free to keep the atrium to do with as you please once you have proven your ability to obtain and protect it. That is all I have for you tonight. Remain in your rooms until you are escorted out. Alloy strode from the stage, his garment oddly stiff in contrast to the way Miss Cloaks normally flared out when someone made such a dramatic motion. Moments later, Tradition appeared at the door, where he had just let you in a few minutes before. Can I uh, jump in I'm for a second? Tony, uh, as Alloy is walking off, Tony would be like, uh, excuse me, where are the hors d'oeuvres? Alloy just laughs and keeps walking. Rude. Uh, Tradition opens the door and walks in. Uh, I'm afraid you'll be last to leave. My apologies, but as uh, 
Mr. Darkoman, Lord Darkomancy here has gracefully guessed there will be refreshments provided. A servant bearing wine, cheese, and various foods, all obviously canned, bustled in and relieved himself of his burden. Wonderful. Off of in the direction of where you heard the laughter comes the sound of chairs scraping wood and boots on the floor. Merida quickly pulls out her book and pen and starts writing furiously. Uh, can I ask what you're writing? All information about anywhere in the hideout. Okay. Uh, are you burning tin? No. No? Okay. I was just going to say, I take my bird out and pet it as I furiously shift my eyes from side to side, scanning the room for my next mark. Uh, Tony is just hungry, so he's going to wipe all of the, like, sloppy vegetables off of his tuxedo and just... Like, <laughs> he didn't change? No. No, he's just... <laughs> Ah, oh, I love he, it. He, he came the sundown man. What like, a they trash with man! So he just wipes himself off and then pulls total garbage out of his top hat <laughs> and immediately starts rioting everyone's sense of affection for his pet and just sits down and starts eating his cheese, drinking some wine, and feeding fluffles. Okay, John, go ahead and give me... Uh, are you going to go ahead and read their emotions first, or do you want to just riot? Oh, no, of course. He just does this on habit. He wants everyone to love Fluffles. Okay, go ahead and roll your uh, roll your rioting skill, then. So, 5d6. 5d6, okay. I'm glad you said it, because I didn't have the window open. 2, 4, 5. And it looks like I got 2. Everyone in the room, despite the absolute revolting state of this mist race, you, you feel a little tug on your heartstrings for the little guy with the rabbit pelt wrapped around him. Hmm. I think Lord Falcone would just be calmly sitting at the table, but this would gather his attention, and he would stare intently at this abomination. <laughs> Merida shifts closer and starts drawing everything she can and observing fluffles in its natural habitat. <laughs> oh, and Tony is immediately like, oh, get this side. This, this, he's better in profile. And he, like, turns him. <laughs> I eagerly nod. Sonichu just starts screaming at it, and I grab its beak and try and hush him up. We haven't been introduced properly to Sonichu, I don't think, yet. He didn't get the introduction. Oh, he's my pet bird. Sonichu is my pet bird. He is my companion and my little feather friend. What kind of bird? He's a he's a pet crow. Cacaw. And he he's uh, very fond of tricks and traps and hazards and all sorts of mischievous, terrible things. Uh, of the two pets, I think that one of them is getting the stronger reaction here. <laughs> Oh, there's. Oh, yeah, you got a pet too. Yeah, that's my my mistress. Oh, I just figured that was part of your magician out at like act. But both is my okay, pet. Okay, well that yeah, that's badass. Yeah, we got two pets. So ATM, huh? Does anyone else have any resources? Because I have some connections in my own informant job that could really help us. Tony is just like I thought. ATM was gone, man. I didn't even know that stuff still existed. 
there's a lot of stuff that isn't known that I have access to. You seem smart. I like you. I like your information as well. I haven't seen a bead of adium since the Cotacendra, but if you know where it's at, I can definitely help get it. Tony's like, well, I'm sure my parents had some at some point. Oh. But, you know, I mostly just partied the last, like, 17 years, so I let them do all the work. Your parents sound really important. Care to tell more? (laughs) Oh. I don't really think Tony glances around. This is really the kind of place my parents would appreciate me associating them with. And they certainly would have no qualms about killing me for it. So Well, I don't know. You said I was smart. I could get myself out of trouble, and they wouldn't have to know. If I could interject right here, Tajmel brings up the fact that his parents were killed by Kolos in in the Siege of Luthadel, and thinks that all this, this talk of uh, family death and, and parents is bringing up a bad memory for him. Rust, man, I'm sorry. He starts he starts crying in the middle of this room and, and drawing unnecessary attention to him. But meanwhile... Oh, you can hold fluffles if you want. That always cheers me up. I love that you guys up. haven't exchanged names. You're like, my parents died when I was seven. <laughs> Merida starts writing in her book again. Hey, man, it's emotional for me, okay? Like, John, are you going to do any uh, rioting? Oh, I'm still fighting no. infection. It's all about Fluffles. <laughs> okay. Fluffles is out. Everyone's gotta love Fluffles. Alright, Taj, you, uh, you, you know, you're obviously still upset, but you, you really, you really like this Mist Rabbit. Like, there's something about it. Like, I mean, obviously you like Sonichu more. Sonichu is his pet crow, by the way. But, like, there's something about this hideous Mist Rabbit wrapped in a rabbit's pelt. A twinkle returns to my eye, and I make a new a new fluffy friend, and uh, I pick up a carrot that John had missed on the back of his his outfit, and started feeding it furiously to the to the little rabbit. Tony's like, "Oh, thank you! Oh, look at that! Fluffles likes you." <laughs> I saddle up to Tony and start whispering in his ear. Do you ever want to share that information with me? You don't have to hesitate. Tony Tony just nods conspiratorially. Falcone, what are you doing while uh, all of this pet love is going on? I think I, I, Lord Falcone would be caring about the mist rabbit, of course, just <laughs> a little bit. It, like, Everybody's rallying around the, the two mascots. Well, it's just like revulsion and at the same time just a little like matching affection so it's containing most of his focus but he he does notice Tajmil start crying because of his horrible past and kind of sneers and it's like batman and he, he he introduces i'm lord falcone you may know me or my name but what is all of yours and where do you come from and he's directing it. And then I say, I come from, uh, elsewhere. Or, wait, where's Luthadel at? What, is that a city? 
Uh, Luthadel doesn't exist anymore. Okay, that was my home was Luthadel, but and then those Coloss came in and they destroyed it. So I just was like, screw it, and I've been being a gypsy tramp with my bird, going around, you know, city to city, basically pickpocketing people and stuff. I'm a real rapscallion uh, street tramp. So we're in New Ellendale, which is basically the city that was built to replace Luthadel. I think, man, I like the old city better. It's like, at least in the old city, they had better stuff to do than, than the new city. Tony's just kind of like, yeah, my teenage years. There was a lot of drinking. I don't remember that much. But uh, I'm I'm Tony Darkomancy of the New Ellendale Darkomancies. You may know my cousin Jim. Uh, one day I'm gonna be more famous than him. But for now, uh, yeah, my my family is pretty rich, and I decided that it's time for me to make some money of my own. So, that's why I'm here. Good to know. So, my name is Merida, and that's all you get to know for now. Belong to any noble houses, Merida? You willing to pay for it? Ooh, snap. I'm starting to like you a little less, Merida. (laughs) That's good to know. Got a bad attitude. Does does she scribble in her book? Yes. 99% of the time she's writing in her book. And Tony just kind of, like, com- completely obviously, because he has no subtlety, just, like, glances over to try and look at the scribbles. But he's, he's, he's trying to be, like, inconspicuous, but he has no talent for that. Mara slams the book shut and glares at you. Okay, wait, okay, Tony's let wild. me get this straight on the pet thing, because, like, they, re- they respawn every, like, day, right? Um, every breather, yeah. Okay, what is a breather, then? It's like a break in between, in between big events. Okay, alright. Because I almost used my bird up right there, but, I mean, in the sense of not coming back, so. What, you were just going to snap his neck? No, I was actually going to throw him into her book, trying to get the page out right before she closed (laughs) it. And have her sh- have her slam it and kill the bird in the middle of this event. <laughs> so I don't think Merida has the physique to do that. It's just a bird. So Tony turns to everyone and says, "So I don't know about you guys, but I got invited to this with a rotten tomato. Does anyone know who's organizing this thing?" I would assume Alloy, since he was the leader in the middle of the room. Yeah, who is that guy? He looks weird. Who is a mist cloak that's not a mist cloak? Why is he so rude? He's still displaying his status, which is what is important. He's the one in charge, so let's get some adium for him. He'll take us higher up the food the chain. The only way to find out more is to get that ATM. See, now, Falcone, you're starting to sound smart, too. You, you sound like you might have some leadership qualities. He just glares. Okay, never mind. Not the leader. <laughs> so so then Tony looks at uh at Tajmil and he's like, are, are you a leader guy? My eyes shift back and forth, giving indication that there is no clear cut answer at this moment. <laughs> Whoa. 
we got we might lose, guys. Ah, <laughs> uh, trust me, trust me. It's four D chess. Wait, what? <laughs> there, wait, I didn't know there were D's in chess. Yeah, like 3D chess and all that, uh, you know what I mean? Like, where you have the different levels, and it's actually multiple games, like, multiple in-game scenarios basically going on at once. You can only make one move per Tony. Tony turn, just stares so. blankly because he doesn't understand any of that. It's just, like, a bunch of, like... I, I It's mini-game chess. Think of it as multiple mini-game chess. Tony's like, what's a mini-game? A mini game is like not a full game. It's like you know a small game. Have you ever played Mario Party? And Tony's like, oh, it's it's small chess. Okay, got it. Tiny pieces. My bird starts squawking loudly, and I grab its beak again to try and hush it up. Sonichu pecks at you for using an anachronism. <laughs> Sonichu is an anachronism. Ask Tony if he was dropped as a baby. <laughs> That's why he's going to be policing it. It's his AVR power. Merida goes up to Tony and asks if he was dropped as a baby. Tony's, well, not as a baby, but my sister threw me in a pit once. That kind of sucked. But that's how I met Fluffles. And he gives Fluffles a hug. I assume it was well-deserved. Staring still at the Mr. Abbott. No. She was just mean. She told me that that Miswraiths eat people. But, obviously, Fluffles here is a vegetarian, so I was safe. Just, I'm not going to let it sleep next to me. What, Fluffles? Fluffles. Yeah, I can't, I yes. can't sleep anywhere. It, like, they still do eat people and things. I mean, it has well, those well, rabbits. But, right, but, but not, not me. That's why we're friends. I mean, I don't think you've given enough time. Maybe if you settle down for, you know. At this point, does anybody want to try and resist the rioting? No, I'll be good. I probably no. nah, probably wouldn't. I'm I'm fascinated, and I okay. think hey, hey Trevor, through that. So Merida suddenly starts ruffling through her book, trying to find any reference to Atheum and any of her informants. Can I roll for that? Yeah, go ahead and roll influence for me. So that's going to be five to six. Right. I got two sixes. Oh, actually, um, you can add another die because you do have the book is one of your props, so that'll add a die to it. Okay, two threes and two sixes. Okay, that's awesome. So in your notes, you know of an informant named Shmi who specializes in hard to get metals, and you also have heard rumors of a stash of atium that uh, the former Straff Venture might have had hidden around. And there are also rumors that one or two of the noble houses inside of New Elendel might have been keeping some atium back. All right, gentlemen, if you would like to follow me, I'll guarantee that we'll get into the crew for Alloy. So, uh, you guys... Finish up your conversation. Um, all of the snacks and refreshments have been eaten up. Fluffles has been properly attended to, along with Sonichu, given all the love and attention that they need as the uh, new mascots of the Lost Legends. And Tradition reappears at the door and tells you to follow him. 
leads you back up to the same way that you came in, up through the secret door. As you're leaving, you notice that there is metal completely surrounding every surface in the exterior walls of this underground room, much like the bunkers in the Field of Rebirth. And so you climb up the ladder, and you head out the door. Uh, how do you proceed from here? I take us to the informant that has news of has news of ATM. Okay, are you uh, burning tin? No. Okay, uh, everybody give me a wits roll. Does anybody uh, need those values? Uh, wait, are, are you jumping to there yet? Because I wanted to do conversations on the way before we get there. Uh, I'm not jumping to there yet, but I do need a wits roll. Okay. So how do I do that? Uh, Brian, yours will be a roll of four. So four d6? That's correct. I only have two dice. Is there a penalty for that? I forget. No. Alright, I got two sixes. I have one six. And Okay, so that's no pairs for... Uh, and I have no... I have a pair of twos. I, I got Nothing. nothing. Five and a two, no matches. Okay, so Lord Falcombe as you guys step out and head into an alleyway nearby the uh, area you just left, you hear some footsteps both on the building next to you and on either ends of the alleyway. And uh, I'll give you one beat extra. or Actually, I'll give you uh, a two-die advantage on your next action for succeeding at that. Okay. Um, because I was giving you a chance to notice that you guys were being okay. snuck up on. Uh, well, as soon as as soon as Lord Falcon would notice that, he slugs back a vial of something, and um, then points in the directions of the sounds and says, "We got company," and that to okay. warn his so crew. So Tony stuffs Fluffles back into the hidden compartment hat and stuffs that top hat in his normal one. To put him away, and then he pulls out his dueling I cane. I start burning tin. A little late, but okay. Taj, how do you react? Um, I, I just take a step back and assess the situation, see what happens from here. Do you want to throw back a vial of metals as well? Um, yeah, I got two of them. Alright. So, Lord Falcombe, where exactly did you point? Wherever I had heard the sounds from. I, I did Okay, so both both, both ends of the alley yeah. and then along with up on the roof? Yeah. Okay. So at the uh, end of the alley in front of where you were going, a man steps forward and laughs in the same, and you recognize it, especially you, Kelly. Uh, you recognize it as the exact same laughter as the one that was earlier in, uh, nobody else would, just Kelly, because she's got the uh, stunt for this. You recognize it as the same laugh you heard earlier in the basement. And this man steps forward and says, Well, hello there. Looks like we got ourselves some new fish here. You think you're going to get that ATMA? Well, I think you're right. But I think you're going to get it for us. We're going to be the ones who gives it to Alloy. What do you think about that? Lord Falcombe would just heft his dueling cane and stare the man in the eyes and say, No. And I would try and walk past him. Tony would just be like, Man, you talk funny. Okay, and then that's when I would immediately pull out my coins and just headshot him right there. <laughs> Won't quite work like that, but uh, is that the general consensus? Is that we're going to disregard? 
I was, I, I was I'm literally that. like walking into this dude. If he does not move, like I'm going to shoulder check him and I have my dueling cane in my hand and I'm just slowly approaching. I would, I was going to use my, um, enhanced, um, vision to look for any weaknesses of them, like, um, injuries or anything. Uh, go ahead and give me a wit plus allomancy roll. So that would be Merida nine D six. Um four or five. Wow. Wow. Okay, so uh Kelly, you notice that the two guys on the roof um actually don't have any weapons whatsoever. Nice. Alright, um Brian or uh David, before we get started going into combat, because it seems like that's what we're going we're going to go ahead and do a physique versus physique roll, because he is not going to let you pass. Hmm, that's wrong. So, like, as soon, as soon as he would do that, I think Lord Falcombe would just, with his dueling cane, so I get that plus, he's just going to, like, quickly flash that up with the... Well, uh, you're already going to be at ten dice, because I gave you that bonus. Oh. Over. Uh, detection. Do I, I get to roll all of them? I thought I had to save some of them for if this goes on past round. No, one. we're we're not going into combat. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, and let me gather up all these dice. So I have a pair of fours and a six. Okay. okay. Uh, Fent also got a pair of fours, but he didn't get any nudges. So, uh, do you want to go ahead and describe how this scene works, David? Uh, well. I, I would guess our shoulders would meet, and, like, eyes are just locked, and at that instant, I would flash up my dueling cane and just bust him in the nose. <laughs> okay, so uh, you go ahead, you just bring up your dueling cane, clock him right across the face. Um, he's going to take a negative one die penalty to his next roll and stagger a little bit, but he's not going to take any health damage since we weren't technically in combat. You were just trying to get past him. Yeah, and then the secondary effect of trying to, like, just stun him for a second, because he wasn't expecting the dueling king. Yeah, absolutely. And so, especially with that nudge, we'll give you that extra that he's staggered a little bit. Okay. And so now we're going to go into combat. So it looks like everybody has a wits of four, except for Tony. Fent also has a wits of three. So the uh, the extra is going to run forward, and he is going to... Uh, he's farthest away from Lord Falcombe. Um, who was in the back? I would probably be in the back, because I did not go towards them. I would definitely be in the back, because, I mean, the hell, I'm a coin shot. Okay, he's going to run up, and he's going to try and kick... Uh, Tajmil in the back of the knees to try and stagger him. Um, Fent is going to try and clock Lord Falcombe across the face. Um, and then the two extras are going to spend their turn climbing down the, the roof because they didn't expect this to go so poorly. So after that, um, between, oh, I'm sorry, Tony should have gone, uh, declared first. Yep, Tony's pretty stupid, so. Um, Tony has no idea what's going on, so he's just going to riot the sense of badassness in, um, uh, David, what's your character's name again? Lord Falcone. He was like, that was pretty badass, and I want Lord Falcone to feel even more badass. 
Okay. Um, and then Tajmil, what is it that you you uh, still want to shoot a coin at um, Fent, or did you want to try and take out one of the extras? Uh, well, the two climbed away. So how many extras are left then? Well, the two extras are climbing like down the building towards you guys. Oh, then yeah, I'm gonna be uh, if I and then. One of them is coming at you to try and kick you in the back of the... Like, kick you... Okay, to, then like, shotgun blast the guy that's trying to kick me. Wait, well, wait, 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 hold on. Okay. Let me see if I understand this correctly. I can target multiple things at once, right? Uh, yeah, I believe so. I can pull that up. Because if that's the case, then I want to hit the one person that's coming after me to kick me in the eyeball, and then I would like to... Like, strike the fingertips of the people coming down to hopefully cause them to fall. Uh, in order to do, like, specialty, like, you're, you're, like you do something yeah. like hit them in the eye, you'll have to succeed on the difficulty or on, like, against like, the challenge versus them, and then also get enough nudges. To okay, so what happen. does that translate to in English? Um, right now, just declare what you want. Okay, to do. I would like to, I so I can't, I could still strike multiple people, though, right? Because I thought that that's what I went was the uh, what is that called? Yeah, stunt multiple targets. The backside of that is since they're all in wildly different places, you're going to have to be really tricky with how you throw these coins up in order to get them in the right place. Okay. So it's going to increase your difficulty, but if you pull it off, then you're going to be able to hit multiple people. Okay. At once. So what do I do for that then? So um, you can attack a number of different targets up to your steel rating. So you could attack everybody if you want. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, why not? So it, it won't be that it's more uh, difficult that they each get to defend okay. against. Okay. So it. then, what do I roll? Um, well, you've got your action declared. Uh, we go to Lord Falcom next. What is it that you want to do? Uh, this dueling cane is going to bodily lift this man from the ground. Okay. That is standing. Um, are you aiming to hurt him, or are you just trying to like break his will to fight? Uh, I'm I'm going to show him that he should not be messing with me. That okay. he made a mistake. Okay, so we're gonna say that's a uh, you're gonna be targeting his willpower on that one when we get to that. Yeah. And then finally, we'll get to Merida. What is it that you want to do? I want to scream, "Roof, pe- roof, people vulnerable." You'll get no dice for that. I'll, I I could say that that's something that you could do as you're doing another action, because that okay. that won't take anything. So, do you want to run up and punch somebody, or do you want to like try and see if you have something in your notes about these guys that you could possibly attack their reputation and break their will to fight? Because in yeah, a I'm fight, I'm gonna do that. Okay, I'm gonna check for um, weaknesses in my book. Okay, so everybody, go ahead and create their your dice pools. Uh, Brian, yours will be based on steel pushing, so you'll get five dice. Uh, yep, David, I think yours will be eight. Uh, well, that's, I think, my total pool, but then doesn't my dueling cane... Oh, your dueling cane, yeah, that'll increase it by okay. one. and I don't, I, I shouldn't use all of them, right? Yeah, because yeah. whatever I you got don't use, you can two, use to defend. five, yeah. and okay. two ones, and a six. Well, don't, don't roll anything yet. Yeah. Is mine Just, still nine? Um, no, because you're only using your, um, what's in your book... Because it's a prop. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you got five. Um, anybody have uh, John? How many do you get? Was it just an elementary roll? So it sounds like. Yep. Um, the guys climbing down get nothing. The extra gets three. And so uh, 
Lord Falcom, you get first action. Okay, so uh, he is just going to... He had struck him with the the handhold of the cane to mm-hmm. stagger him, and then he's just going to a massive swinging uppercut, and he just looks bestial while doing this. And that would come out to a pair of fours. Okay, uh, when he rolled three dice to defend against it, and he rolled absolutely nothing. So, um, the dueling cane increases your damage by one normally for health. We're gonna say that that's also going to work for intimidating him with willpower. So, he is going to take two willpower damage. Because this really freaked him out. Uh, how does that look when you, uh, smack him to, not to damage, but just to show him that, like, you're nothing to be trifled with. Well, I think he would just be thrown to the side, and, like, I made it look easy. Like, just swept him with one arm, and he's kind of intimidated just by my raw physique at this point. Okay, cool. Um, So he goes down, he just has two dice, so he won't be going next. I think that'll bring us to Merida, because she has five dice and the highest wits. Okay, uh, I rolled three twos and a six. uh, Which guy are you targeting? One of the extras or the main guy? The main guy. He is not going to be able to... Oh, actually, yeah, he will. And he rolled nothing. So his dice are all used up, and he's going to suffer a reputation damage. Because you remembered something about his crew. What did you remember? Do you just know their name, or...? Um, I remember that they're a thieving crew. But, like, are you familiar with their name, or what? what is it that you know about them that you can damage their reputation with? Or actually, let's go ahead and make this a willpower. Like, you know, I know who you are, you don't want to fight me, I'll expose you. Something like that. How does that sound? Okay. That's good. Do you want to do that in character, or...? Or do you just okay. not care? I'm going to say, wait, does it have to be a few seconds, or is it... Okay, you actually, how about, you rec- You know his name, even though he hasn't introduced himself. So you, you scroll th- furiously through his notes, and you come up with the name of Fent. Okay. What do you say to Fent to intimidate him, Kelly? Come at us, Fent! Short and sweet. All right, let's go to Tony, then. Oh, cool, I thought I'd be, like, last. Oh, wait, yeah, you, uh, Taj would be nice. Oh, wait, okay. I'm sorry. So what do, do I not count that previous roll I did, or? Uh, it depends on if you want to save any dice back for defending. For defending? Um, let's see, I got the one guy coming after me. Can Okay, can I save one, or, let's say. You always have to have at least two dice if you want to def- make a roll. Okay, so then I need to only roll three die, then? Is that right? If I want to, that's okay. right. But keep in mind, if you hit with everything, like you might right, not have anything just go to in. defend. I'll against. just go all in. So I'm rolling. And it looks like I got uh, three, a five, and 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 three fours. Okay, so that succeeds with a four rating. Um, none of the extras were able to roll anything, so um, they're all going to get taken out one hit. Awesome. And you're going to do some physical damage to Fent. Do you want to describe how this looks? 
Um, yeah, that my coin goes whizzing by, and it's maybe not a direct hit, but it is enough that it tears part of his clothing, and you could see blood from the uh, injury from from the projectile striking his flesh. Okay, so you throw a, a handful of coins into the air, and using your agility, you kind of duck underneath them and position yourself just right. And four coins explode out from you. Two of them striking the two guys climbing down the roof. And those guys just fall down over, strike their heads when they hit the ground, and they're out. The guy who was coming at you from behind, you hit him right in the gut, and the wind goes out from under him. And he just turns around and starts staggering the other way down the alley. And then you already described what happened to Fent, so we're going to go ahead and well, skip that description. You know what? I... I think with how much Fent has just been thrown around, he would, like, be pinned against the wall at this point by his coin. Like, <laughs> I think we might have immobilized him. Like, uh, Maybe he, if he had gotten some nudges. Well, I mean, I had that nudge earlier to stagger him, right? And then... Yeah, and he lost a die for it. Okay. so I, I What about just, my nudge? Uh, well, did was, you get a nudge? Yeah. I thought that um, was against... Who was that against, though? Was it one of the people coming down from the roof, or was it the dude at my end? It was Fett. I didn't realize you had gotten one. Um, we'll go ahead and we'll we'll say that like your voice boomed out, and it was like... Or do you want to just add another damage? Sure. Okay. Okay, so you add another willpower damage to that. Um, and that will bring us to Tony... Um, do you want to change your action, possibly, or... What's the penalty for changing again? Uh, you recalculate your dice pool, but it's cut in half. Nah. So I'm gonna go all in and make David feel like a rusting badass. Lord Falco needs no help. He knows he is a badass. Yeah, but you can feel like a super badass. We're talking, like, amplifying it, right? (laughs) So I, I got a pair of threes is the only relevant one. All right, uh, David, you're going to go ahead and add a die to your next roll. Sweet. See what I'm talking about, man? That's what's up. Um, Fent is completely out of dice, so uh, we're going to go on to the next round. And he is, like, he looks like he is close to breaking. So if you guys just want to keep walking, we'll go ahead and even go with David. So he's, like, pinned to the wall by this coin from his cloak as well. Um. So if you guys just want to, like, leave, you can. Or if you want to finish this off, it's up to you. I think Lord Falcone would menace him with the end of the dueling cane, but then just say, you should know not to mess with your betters. Who sent you? Hey, listen here, I work for nobody but myself. Okay, I have a question. As as we're leaving, is there a way for me to, like, attempt to pickpocket him for something useful or, like, a house key or something? Uh, sure. I'll, uh, I'll let you roll, like, a, a physique, maybe. Less of a pickpocket okay. and more an armed robbery at this point, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it might be something that he doesn't immediately realize that's missing. So I roll a three? I mean, I roll three dice, correct? Uh, but you, I think you might have some traits that will increase for you. Traits. Let me see here. I've only yeah, got. So your your profession as a thief will increase that to four, and your feature with quick hands will increase that to five. 
So I roll five dice? Yep. Okay, rolling, and I got a three, a two, and and three fives. Okay, um, I'm going to have to think about... Uh, okay, you go, ahead, you go ahead and reach into his pocket and pull out this piece of paper. You don't know what it is, but you feel like it was important since it was the only thing that he had on him. Okay. And then while uh, Lord Falcone is menacing Fent, Tony is going to ratchet up the fear that, that Fent is feeling. Sure, go ahead and roll that. And, and actually, I want to do that to all his minions, too. Oh, they're they're taken out. Oh, they're they're unconscious? Okay. Yep. Sorry, I spaced out for that part. Alright, I got a six and a pair of fours. Uh, he got absolutely nothing. So, you notice a dark spot appear in his trousers. <laughs> the Tony points and laughs. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? Okay. Uh, anybody else want to do anything to this uh, poor fool who messed with the wrong group of alamancers? Merida walks straight up to him, stares him right in the eye as she starts writing down the information. I think as soon as he had like outlived our amusement for a second, I would just beat him about with the K until he ran away, like very quickly. Okay, yeah, so, like, one or two strikes, and he just, like, takes off running. Like, <laughs> trips over one of his guys that's groaning in the alley after falling off of the uh, building. Uh, gets up and just keeps running. It's like something out of a Miyazaki film. Properly humiliated. Well then, guys, you want to continue following me? Lead on, Merida. Yep, let's go. All right, and I think that's where we're going to end this episode, our very first of the Lost Legends Schedule podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in. I really appreciate you giving us a chance. I hope you enjoyed some things, and I hope you tune in for our next episode. Thanks for watching. Mistborn and all related properties are owned by Brandon Sanderson and Dragonsteel Entertainment. The Mistborn Adventure Game is a product of Crafty Games. Special thanks to Steve Argyle for letting us use his artwork for the logo, and to Boardroom Design for putting the logo together for us. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, at LLOS Podcast. Or give us an email at lostlegendsofscadriel at gmail.com. We hope that you'll like and share and give us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.